This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to MK1 Podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Joe talk everything Milton Keynes Dons. First of all, Ross, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. Good. Joe, how about yourself? Doing well? Yep, yeah, all good, thank you. Yeah, brilliant. And Jonathan, as you mentioned last week, you'd be a special guest once again. Um, how are you doing yourself? Yeah, I'm doing really well, thanks guys. Yeah, brilliant. Well, uh, I say um, we're currently recording halfway through the absolute spectacle of a game of Milton Keynes Dons versus Southampton 21s. Uh, it's currently 1 0 Southampton 21s after an uh, interesting goal, to say the least, uh, from them. Um, but we'll give you updates to that game as we carry on recording, as we didn't want to put too much attention onto that game, as we want to focus on the game against Eastleigh and uh, one upcoming against Sunderland. So we'll crack on with Eastley um, on on Sunday at lunchtime, which is a strange time for us to kick off, as we typically, you know, like the Saturday 3pm slot. Um, overall, we went through. That was the ultimate goal of that game. And they took us to penalties to do that. Obviously, it was 0-0 after full time uh, and extra time. And then um, they won 4-3 in penalties. Uh, Lee Nichols and Scott Fraser being the saviours, as uh, with fasty seasons, that's kind of been the case. Uh, Ross, what were your thoughts on the Easter game in general on uh, Sunday lunchtime and how you felt it went? I had very mixed feelings on the game. Um, I think it was very rational for some fans. I'm not going to mention any names, but for some uh, fans question Russell Martin's job already, which is just ludicrous. Um, I felt it was a performance where um, we showed glimpses in the final third of our attacking play and we discussed it in the group chat um, after the game that defensively we, we did more than enough and we held easily to I think it was like one shot on target throughout the whole game and considering we thought that, that this easily side would have, that were going to come at us um, from the get-go um, we just neutralised them to completely nothing and I think that one shot on target was a half chance 
So, yeah, we dominated with 72% possession. And I feel like the seven shots on target was a bit of a uh, misread in the sense of um, we're very we're strugg struggling to uh, create anything most of the time in our final third. We look very timid. But yeah, um, on, sorry, Ross, carry on. <laughs> on. On a whole, I was, I was, I think I'm probably one of the few uh, fans. I was actually happy about the performance in in a sense of everything, but the attack was more than good. Yeah, um, I was quite surprised actually. You mentioned about you know Eastley, you know, adapting their tactics, and the manager said so himself to Russell Martin after the game. Uh, I did think they come they, they, they sort of attack us in a way, and I was quite surprised that they changed their style. You know, essentially it was a compliment to us, I suppose, in terms of how we play our football. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, end of the day we got the result. You can't really complain too much about how we got about it. You know, the past few weeks have been about us. You maybe not going for it enough, and. Yes, the case was there again that we didn't do that on Sunday, but at the end of the day, we got the result we needed. And I think it's a nice change as opposed to, you know, not in the league the past few weeks, not doing that. Uh, Jonathan, why don't you give us your thoughts on how easily went for you on Sunday? Well, I want to start by saying how good I thought the Eastley goalkeeper actually was with the shots that he did have. On him, he, he was really good. That save from Walker in the, I think it was the second half of extra time or the second half, that it was a real quality save. Um, but our performance, I, I completely agree with Ross. Everything was good up until the final third. Um, I think the delivery from, from Harvey can still be improved. There was a lot of times that he was the main outlet on the left and uh, he did put some good balls in that. Obviously, Mo Morrison... Uh, Walker didn't gamble on, and that was really frustrating for me. Thinking, thinking as a if you're Harvey putting in these balls, and you're thinking, hang on a minute, I'm putting in these balls, and no one's there to to go for it. Um, and to say it, it was it was hard. It was hard to watch. I'm not going to lie. I was a bit frustrated at when when we got through that. It, it took so long. But as you as uh, as you guys have said, um, at, le at least we've got through, which is prob which is more than some like other League One sides did, like um, Burton and Northampton against lower league opposition. So uh, yeah, I'll take the take the next round and move on. Really. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this number's accurate, but I think it was like half of the League One teams went out in round one um, this year, which is ridiculous, quite frankly, considering some of the teams that are playing. And uh, yeah, of course, we've got another non-league trips to look forward to the end of the month uh, going into Barnet. Shame we can't be there. Um, as you know, that would have been a great away trip. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Unfortunately, it's 2020. So that's what we have to deal with. Uh, finally, Joe, why don't you give us your thoughts on uh, how Sunday went for you? Yeah, I was I was really surprised, actually, when I, you know, um, and, and obviously you take it with a pinch of salt social, social media, but I was really shocked at just how negative a lot of the vibes were. And, just, just I think this past couple of weeks, just without having a league game in ten days or so, I think it's kind of given uh, me personally. I've had a little, just a little, you know, look back at the season so far, how it's gone. And at the start of the season, it was we were absolutely dominating teams, but that was after we'd conceded stupid early goals, and we were unlucky with results. You know, we came away from Portsmouth, Ipswich, uh, Doncaster, all disappointed. We didn't actually get more out of the game, and then. You know, there's games like Northampton 
and 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 on Saturday where we maybe didn't have the best of performances, but a point away from home and going into the next round of the cup. And it, it appears like you know, it appears at the start of the season people were moaning that we weren't getting the results after great performances, and now we've we've ground out a couple ugly, ugly style uh, results, and 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 people are moaning about that. And I just find that we have mentioned it before, but we're unbeaten in four. We've got four clean sheets out of seven. Martin's made changes that have resulted directly in improvements at the back. Now, I think I feel that having a solid foundation to build on and just being hard to beat is the, the, the perfect place to start. And with the attacking play, there's only so much you can actually coach. A lot of it, you know, I think Martin, half of Martin's job is getting the players to the final third. From there, you know, there's only certain amounts of coaching you can actually do. A lot of it is on the players, I feel. And I think that was quite uh, relevant on, on Sunday. I think a lot of the time you had people like Walker and, uh, and Morris, they were coming deep for the ball. Whereas in reality, there was quite a few good crosses put in and they'd flash past the post and no one was, there was no sort of a focal point, which was, which was uh, sitting high and, you know, ready to take the ball, ready to run in behind. And of course it was difficult with Eastley sitting so deep. But the only reason they sat so deep is because we were so dominant in the midfield. So they sort of said, right, well, we've already lost this midfield battle. Then, you know, and they're like, we'll, 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 uh, we'll do our best at, at defending our box. But w- with that, if you're always coming deep to receive the ball, like Walker, it, I thought he, he looked lively, but so often he'd be receiving the ball 20, 30 yards out, having a little run and then a shot from outside the box. When in reality, you want Walker staying in the box, the ball being worked out wide and him being in the box ready to finish it off. But at the end of the day, it's a cup game. It was a massive potential banana skin and we got through it, I think, fairly comfortably. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And just on the Walker point, you know, you said he maybe did a bit too much and you'd like to see him perhaps in the box a bit more. Do you feel he felt the need to do that just because of what was going on around him and perhaps players not really going for it until let's say the 70th minute onwards, or do you feel that's just in his, like his instinct? That's what he likes to do as a player. Uh, yeah, I do think it was a bit of both. I think we, we, we mentioned before about Walker, how he's not afraid to have a pop from 30 yards and he's, and when games are stretched, you know, he, he he's, uh, the thing is, it's, it's, it's a bit of a different skill because when games are say stretched and the op- opposition are actually coming on to you, I feel like you've got it's a different skill set to playing on the counter attack, and well, I, I can't even remember any counter attacks we've actually had this year because we've been so dominant with the ball. It tends to be teams counter counter attacking on us. Um, so I feel like fair enough. If you've got long periods of possession, you know you're going to your natural instinct is oh I want the ball, I want to come deep. But I think sometimes it it, it does pay to be when you're the focal point and when you're up top, it does pay to just be disciplined and just maybe just, just wait for that one chance in the box. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I completely agree with you. <laughs> so the first subject we wanted to touch upon uh, from the game on Sunday, besides our general thoughts, of course, was uh, we saw a bit of a cameo from Ben Glavin at left wing back. And, uh, you know, we've we've seen like five, 10 minutes spells of it in the season past and what we've seen in previous games. Um, but, you know, we saw a good 25, 30 minutes of it against Eastleigh. 
and I actually thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, Jonathan, you mentioned about Daniel Harvey's delivery wasn't exactly on par with what it needed to be really for that game. And uh, Glappen came on and I, it did pretty well, I thought. The Crosby's putting in were pretty dangerous. And as you know, as Joe mentioned, if we had that, you know, maybe the striker's instinct we needed at top. Um, and on that day, we could have perhaps got Glappen could have had a few assists. We could have didn't need, didn't need to take the game to extra time at all. I just want to get your thoughts on maybe whether Gladwin, you know, is he is he an option left wing back in the future? Um, you know, could this maybe not maybe start maybe not a starting role, but as like a cameo, could he come on there in future games? For example, against on the weekend against Sunderland and maybe have a role there. Uh, Jonathan, why don't you give us your thoughts on that to start off with? Well, it's an it's an interesting position to have Gladwin in because obviously in his career he's always been sort of centre mid, number 10 sort of role, sort of creative. And I feel maybe with his injuries he's had, he's maybe not as mobile as we need, especially when we've got uh, Sorensen and Fraser that are more mobile in the midfield. So it is a potential option, the the left wing back option. I mean, he, he won't, he might not track back as well as Harvey would uh, defensively. Uh, which could mean that someone like Houghton or Kasumi might have a bit more work in that sense. But if you've got a delivery like Ben Gladwin uh, and you stick him on three kicks and that, and he delivers, and as you say, you have strikers that that know he will provide the service, then, uh, yeah, it, it's it's definitely an option going forward. I'm still not quite used to it myself, but, uh, yeah, it'll, I'm sure it, it might be an option going forward to... Maybe not start him there, but yeah, just to come off the bench. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. And um, Joe, I know you mentioned this type of position for Glavin before, and uh, I was interested to hear how you thought he played on Saturday and whether you, you know, think that could be an option in the future for him. Yeah, I think one thing that I've, I've noticed in the past uh, past few weeks is how how little defending Paul and Harvey actually do. And it's not necessarily, it's more just how little defending they have to do rather than that, rather than them being caught out of position, et cetera. And I feel that they, they're so often, they're so high up the pitch that it's, it's Dave Kasumu and it's, it's Lassa Sorenstern or Jordan Houghton who often might go wide to cover their areas. And then you've got the three centre-backs there. So I feel a lot of the time they're not necessarily integral to the defensive shape of the team. And, they certainly play as far forward as wingers. So, and uh, and uh, in his Swindon days, he he was playing because uh, I, I distinctly remember. I think it was the game against us. He was playing on on the left mid, uh, maybe not left wing, but left mid. So he he's got experience of going up and down that wing. And I feel feel that with someone like Gladwin, he he has got that delivery. He he's two footed. I mean, he scored from twenty five yards against Oxford with his supposed weak foot. And I feel it's just a different option as well because he's going to be cutting inside a lot. So that also creates the chance for maybe a, a potential partnership with Scott Fraser. Scott Fraser maybe going outside and Gladwin cutting inside. And I, one thing I've always thought about Gladwin, he, when he moves, he's he's quite graceful and he he he, he seems to almost he seems like he, he just glides through games at times. And I feel like that's a really interesting dynamic for being on the left wing. And and let's face it, we haven't really had proper wingers in three or four years. 
Well, yeah, brilliant. Sorry, I sent the goal update. It's 1-1 now in the game against the Fountain. Um, Heathcliff's Palace the, the first goal. Um, their keeper's just gone to head the ball, went over his head. And um, I think it's Matty Sorinola who's running, scored an open goal. Um, so, yeah, that's happened. So, we're equalised against Southampton. Two goals for the fitting of that tournament, isn't it? Absolute calamities. Well, the Papa John's trophy is a big tournament. What are you talking about, Joe? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, back on track with um, Ben Gladwin. Um, Ross, what are your thoughts on um, perhaps what uh, Joe and uh, Jonathan have spoken about, but also your own on maybe Gladwin's role as a left wing back in the future? Yeah, I feel like if Eastley were to come out and attack, I feel like Ben Gladden would possibly struggle in the sense of the defensive work. I don't feel like uh, he's a type of player to run and bolt, bolt up and down that wing. But if teams are sitting deep, I'm more in favour for it. I feel like he's got that physical presence um, and that bit of flair, which sometimes you need in the game. And I felt like at the weekend, even if it was just a step over or back heel, to Fraser, I'll probably uh, mention it later on. Um, it can just change. It can change the game, and um, I felt as soon as um, Gladwin came on at the weekend, I felt the game started to change in our favour, and we started to, I wouldn't say produce more, but we looked a lot more threatening going forward. I agree. Yeah, that's a great point actually yeah. regarding the sitting deep. I think you know yeah, going yeah. against a team like Sunderland, who perhaps are a strong defensive team. You know, bringing Gladwin on for that 30-minute cameo could really open up the game, even from a left-wing-back role. And, and um, it adds a different dynamic to maybe what a Sorinoda or a uh, Harvey can offer. So, yeah, I think that's a great point, Ross. Um, yeah, so on to our next topic. And, um, you know, even though we were against a non-league team and we had all that possession, I still felt there was too much conservative... Is that word? We were basically being too conservative going forward. <laughs> um, and... It, oh, as as uh, Jonathan mentioned, it's quite frustrating to watch sometimes. And it took us like 65, 70 minutes to really get into the game and have shots. So, you know, we saw Lewington have some shots and a cracking one to fair, which is a good save from their keeper. Um, but I don't know, I mentioned it a few weeks ago, I don't know why it's taken us this long to really go for games and, you know, have that speculative effort. As, you know, maybe if we did that earlier in the game, we could catch teams out and, you know, get an early goal and really take a hold of the game. I don't know whether you guys had any thoughts on perhaps why or and if you agree with those comments uh, Ross why don't you kick us off with your thoughts on that I agree it was very slow and passive at times but I think some what we forget to uh, remember is that a lot of our players haven't had pre-season so they they haven't had that partnership or blend what you pick up through the pre-season friendlies so you start to know your strengths and weaknesses of, of, of players around you and if we look at that starting uh, lineup, and I'm talking about the league lineup especially, we've got Fisher, we've got Keogh, we've got Walker, we've got Jerome, Fraser. We've got so many players who haven't actually had pre-seasons. And I'm not blaming it down to that, but I feel like it can impact it going forward. And I'm willing to give it time because of, as Joe said earlier, we've got the basics right in defending. So teams are struggling to break us down. So... As long as we don't concede, we've always got that opportunity to win the game. Yes, it's about I suppose it's about building from the back, right? I mean, yeah. you mentioned that a lot last week. And, uh, yeah, that seems to be the motive of what the coaches are going for, I suppose. And uh, as long as they're keeping clean sheets, you can't really complain, eh? I mean, it's just about 
you know, find that one little spark and um, hoping that it works. But I would like to see them go for the games a bit more. I think from my personal well, opinion. We have, in recent years, we have struggled to keep clean sheets. So it's actually quite refreshing to see this happen. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree, 100%. Uh, Joe, what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, perhaps the conservancy around uh, our style of football, maybe going forward? Yeah, I, th- I think we mentioned it before, and I think one one key way which the game can just be sort of turned in an instant is just I feel that Houghton Kasumu and Lassen Sorensen, I feel like if you start more than two, if you start two, two out of the three of them together. I feel that they're just a little bit too negative. And I feel that Thompson, Fraser or Gladwin, I feel that I'd rather see two out of those three who which are more attacking, better in the final third. Because at the end of the day, we're not actually having to defend a whole lot. And we're conceding so few shots. And, you know, the opponent's having the ball, what, 35% of the time or something. I feel like we can kind of sacrifice at times. And, you know, it's not as if we're... And we've said before about how the style of football we play, there's there's going to be tactical fouls. There's going to be, you know, people are going to be counter-attacking. But that's why, you know, I I feel like we've got quite an athletic midfield. We've got athletic wing-backs. I mean, I know Lewington and Keogh aren't exactly going to win any 100-metre races, but (laughs) I feel like their positioning is, is so clever and they have got that experience that, it's quite it's quite weird one with Lewington that he sits so high, yet you'd back him on the halfway line for a 50-50 with a, a pacey 20-year-old on loan from the Premier League or something. <laughs> um, but, but, but yeah, I just think, I just feel that with the midfield, I feel we, we go far too often, we go for a conservative, safe midfield, which allows us to keep the ball. Yeah, brilliant. But I'd rather have a player like... A player, say, at a number 10 or a player who's going to have a passing percentage instead of having a 95% passing accuracy, I'd rather someone in the final, who's going to be in the final third a lot, I'd rather he have a 70% because he's he's trying for that killer ball and he's taking risks, which I just feel we don't do enough. I feel we're almost too regimented in Russell's plan and whether or not that's deliberate, and I think Russell actually mentioned that maybe some some of the players take him a bit too literally, and they're a bit too regimented in keeping the ball. But but sometimes you, I just feel we need to take a few more risks in the final third, because you know it, it, if if we're passing for so long and the opponents are in their shape, it just it just allows them to set up, and the only way you're going to get a goal then is a mistake or an or an indiv- really good individual bit of quality. And with the players we've got, they're solid players, but you don't see many that are capable of doing a Healy and running through three people and smashing it into the top corner. Um, so, yeah, I just I just feel like the midfield is, is key to how we approach games and just taking a few more risks in that midfield area. Yeah, it's almost like everyone's on the same in the same book and reading the same book, but they're not on the same page at the moment yeah. anyway going forward. And... Um... Yeah, I completely agree. And a bit of a spoiler alert for my uh, lineup is I, I want to see um, Fraser and Thompson in midfield together just to see how it works. Um, you know, before we've seen Fraser and Thompson together, but maybe not as advanced as they both should be and need to be. Um, so that's a spoiler alert for me. I, that those two are in my lineup. Uh, finally, Jonathan, why don't you give us your thoughts on perhaps? I know you mentioned briefly why you think you were frustrated with Sunday's performance. Um, and do you elaborate on that in terms of 
conservativity. <laughs> yeah, um, I just feel I, I completely agree with Joe. I just think we have been too defensive in our sort of uh, picking our, our lineups. I think we've all agreed on this podcast previously that Basumu and Houghton together just just is just too defensive. And I feel as though um, I feel as though I did Thompson an injustice as well in the previous pod. Didn't actually realise how far forward he, he gets. I know Joe made the point that uh, he assisted both goals or played a part in both goals at Gillingham. And uh, yeah, if we, if we can get someone like a, a Fraser and a Thompson and a Fraser and a Gladwin and not just play them for one game and then drop them for the sake of bringing one of the defensive in. It's it's all about partnerships if you want to do if you want to progress in the league. I mean, we know Keogh and Lewington are going to be part of the back five. We know Harvey and Paul are going to be the wing backs nine times out of ten. It's just the the mid the like the attacking midfield and, and the strikers, they, they need time and game time to work together. Um if you think back to when Paul Tisdale was in charge and we had that great start to League Two when we had all the clean sheets and we were scoring for fun. That was because there were a lot of partnerships. You knew, you always knew who was going to be in the starting eleven, no matter um, what game it was. So I just feel that Russell Martin needs to find his partnerships, stick with him for two or three games and then just bear in mind he, he does have the options to change on the bench if, if it's needed really. Yeah, and I think a prime example of that was Glavin, wasn't it? On Sunday, you know, we needed a change. We weren't basically doing enough at, for, up front. We brought Glavin on in a perhaps unorthodox position. And, you know, if the strikers were in the right place, that could have won us the game pretty easily. Um, and to be honest, you could say we were unlucky on Sunday because, you know, Morris had a post from a corner. The keeper had a, well, won the game, uh, to be completely frank. And, yeah, we probably should have wrapped it up in 90 minutes. But, you know, it, it took as long as it did and we got the result in the end. Uh, the final point we did want to mention is, um, you know, the, the subject title is if you don't shoot, you don't score. And I suppose we were a bit shot shy on a Sunday. Um, and it, it's, it's, it was the case of, you know, I think we mentioned it before, like the total football trying to score the perfect goal. And, you know, we do, as at times, we just want them to have a shot. And I suppose we kind of mentioned it in the previous topic, how it took like 65, 70 minutes for that to actually happen. And, um yeah, I suppose it's a mentality thing from the coaching, I suppose. But uh, Ross, did you have any further thoughts on, um, you know, maybe us being a bit shock shy? Well, first of all, I just want to put credit out to McDonald, the Eastleigh goalkeeper. Just had one of those games in goal. I think it reminded me a bit of Lee Nichols um, in the relegation season. Every um, game. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I just really wanted to say that, like, when Walker got on the ball, especially Walker, he'd have his head down, he'd just drive. If he looked up and saw the runners or the wing backs, especially Paul, I noticed, he could have put him straight it through and uh, we could have crossed the ball and it could have been practically a tap in. So I just feel like, as you say, it might come with experience, but I just feel like people need to look up and have that extra bit of time and as you say if 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 there's a bit of space have a shot and that's why I like Glad- Gladwin so much because of like at Oxford if we gave him 10 shots on the training ground exactly like that it probably wouldn't go in but he had the composure and he just he had the chance and look it went in 
So I just feel like, yeah, as you say, we're, we're lacking that bit of um, bravery and composure in the final third at the moment. And I know I keep saying this in previous podcasts, but I just, I'm just hoping it clicks eventually and we can start building on it. Yeah, it's, it's, it is just being a bit more brave and a bit more unpredictable and, you know, try not be too one-dimensional and give us something to think about. You know, pass it around the box for 70% of the game isn't going to do jack, to be honest, um, in terms of, you know, making them want to have to think about oh, what they're going to do next. And, yeah, we just need a bit of creativity in there. And, I mean, yeah, I'll give you a point, Ross, regarding, you know, maybe they're not up to speed as much as other teams and other players. Um, but you have to feel that at some point it's going to click and these players are going to get on the same page and start reading the same words. Uh, Jonathan, do you have anything to add on what uh, Ross mentioned regarding the shot shyness? Yeah, well, as I, as I said previously, it was just it was more of a frustration that we we didn't take the shots on when they were made available to us. So I remember I think Louis Thompson had a couple of attempts against Eastleigh where you think just shoot, even even if the keeper saves, even if it's deflected off a defender, it, it it's the intent that uh, that was or the lack of intent, sorry, that was frustrating me and I, I feel I felt a bit angry after Sunday as well actually because um, on social media someone actually said oh Reese Healy would not fit this system and, and I'm thinking first of all you can't talk about a player that we haven't got anymore and then I thought second of all if Reese Healy was in that side I'm, I, I imagine that he would be on quite a few goals this season because he is as much as he can score the wonder goals against Rotherham and that, you think about the goal against Wickham at home last uh, last season. He he is a he is a fox in the box striker, and and I I feel that is what we are missing. We are really missing someone like Healy, maybe even a younger version of Kieran Agard, who who would who would relish the crosses coming in from from either side. And um, I I, ju- I just feel we just need to to gamble a bit more. Uh, just, just take a few more, few more risks. Uh, if you don't buy a ticket, you, you can't win the lottery, basically. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't think people realise how good Reece Healy actually was. Um, and <laughs> you don't have to say that again. <laughs> yeah, like, and that's why we were, we were so angry when we sold him for whatever amount we did, because it, it's, it's understated how hard it is to replace a player like Reece Healy. And uh, we don't talk about past players too much on the pod, but I'm just want to make that point, like. We're still very annoyed about that sale. Um, Joe, finally on this topic, I know you wanted to mention perhaps the movement of the strikers. Um, do you want to elaborate on that a bit more? Yeah, and, and I think it ties in really nicely with what Jonathan said previously about partnerships. And I feel that when you rarely see two strikers, uh, especially at the top, the highest level of football, you rarely see players play two strikers up front. Because they much prefer, you know, the extra man in midfield or or two really wide, wide and high men. And I feel that what we've got is we've got quite a few strikers that I think if you look at last season, Morris and Healy, the reason they worked so well together was because Morris came deep. He did the hard work. He did the dirty work. And you had that person taking the chance, running in behind. And like and like Jonathan said, I think um, against, uh, I believe it was Shrewsbury, someone took a shot. And he was there to tap it in as well, and 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 he did, and he and the Wickham one as well. He was there back post, just on his own, found a bit of space, tapped tapped it in, and 
I feel that with Jerome, he loves to get involved with the build-up play. With Walker, he loves to come deep, take the ball, run with it. Morris, you know, he, he's probably one of the most unselfish strikers in the game. And I feel that the movement of the strikers, and I mentioned it against Eastley, sometimes you just need someone to just, just stand there, just have a bit of a presence. And I feel as well, um, also in the game against Doncaster, I, I remember we, we had quite a lot of shots from outside the box. And what that did was it meant, because it, I've noticed in the last few games, people are more than happy to just sit way off us and not even press us when we're just outside their box. Because they're like, well, they're not going to shoot. If we start shooting from 20 yards, 25 yards, you know, obviously not just shooting for the sake of it, working good opportunities. And if, if there's a, a sight of goal, maybe just trying, trying something. You know, teams are going to come out a bit more. And, and in turn, that's going to leave space in behind. We need to make it, make it seem as though we're not just going to pass, pass, pass and wait for the perfect tapping. And we need to show that we are willing to have a go, be unpredictable. And I feel that that would help if... If strikers, especially if, if um, in addition to just taking a few more risks, and strikers, we, we just need someone running in behind or just just staying still in the box, just ready for the scraps. Yeah, really couldn't agree more on that. Um, pleasure regarding unpredictability. Just need to go for it, and we've said it for weeks, and we'll keep saying it until it happens. Just go for games, and we'll get results. It's it's pretty simple. Um, so, yeah, moving on to uh, Saturday's game. Uh, back to our usual Saturday 3pm slot this weekend. And uh, this game is usually one that typically is marked on our calendars as one of the bigger games, especially away from home, as we're travelling up to Sunderland. I know um, all of us were looking forward to heading to this one when we first marked it on our calendar, but, of course, circumstances have changed. Uh, Joe, why don't you give us a brief introduction uh, about everything Sunderland? Yeah, Sunderland have had a kind of weird start to the season because I think it's kind of been a bit underwhelming. But when you actually look at it, they've they've made a really solid start and uh, they currently sit in sixth place, having played game less than uh, leaders Peterborough. However, if they win that game at hand, they're only one point off off top. So they're a really really solid start, and I feel that their manager is um, Phil Parkinson, and quite characteristically of of Phil Parkinson teams. This the the main success for this, you know, their their start this season has been the defence, and their defensive record is 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 well, it's the best in the league by 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 quite a distance, and and they one of the main reasons for that is they concede so few shots on their goal per game, and there's only actually one team who've conceded fewer shots on their goal per game. And uh, oh yeah, it just happens to be us. However, we've uh, we've uh, certainly had a few clangers, which means that we've conceded almost double the amount of goals they have. However, we've actually faced less shots than them. Um, but anyway, I just feel that they're a very very solid team. They play with the three at the back, but they've got the um, they've got the flexibility so that sometimes they'll have Maguire playing uh, Chris Maguire playing just off Wyke. Uh, Who's, who's a sort he's a, a target man type of striker, but he, he, you know he does know where the goal is. Um, and then they could also play a three-four-three three with a couple more, a couple of extra wide men, really providing the width and and crosses uh, for for Wyke. Um, they 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 do manage to create quite a lot of chances through this system as well. And how, but however, we we have actually scored more more open play goals than them this season, which I think just goes to show. Uh, how 
one, we, we are quite reliant on scoring from open open play. We I don't still don't think we've scored a set piece goal yet this season. And I think just adding things like that to our game would be quite beneficial. And with their their backline, which is probably going to be Jordan Willis, Bailey Wright, and Tom Flanagan, they're all big guys. And with the delivery of Chris Maguire or Grant Ledbitter, they they've got a real real chat real threat from set pieces. So I feel that will be one key area from uh, from the game uh, for the game coming up. And um, they they love a cross. They've got uh, average the second most crosses uh, per game. And I think that's uh, j- just uh, it, it, it's it's down to who they've got in the box. And uh, Wyke is a striker that he, he thrives off crosses. And so I feel that Keogh is really going to have to marshal him well. Um, I'll back him to do it. And um, I, I just think that, that that's the threat we've got to be aware of. But at the same time, I think they'll be more than happy to defend their goal. So it, it, it might be it might be a more of the same or it would be interesting to see if Sunderland actually come out and uh, try and attack the game. And I think I think I think there's a chance they will, considering they are at home. Yeah, brilliant as usual, Joe. Um, Thank you, of course, uh, no worries. <laughs> of course, um, I went on the um, or I appeared on the What the Flag podcast uh, with Graham, and thank you very much to Graham for letting me on. First of all, um, so yeah, I picked up a few nuggets myself from um, obviously a Sunderland based podcast, which is always helpful. Um, basically, the summary of their season has been, you know, they've. You know they haven't been playing too well, but they've been getting their results, which so which is kind of the complete reverse of us. You know we we like to say we've been playing well and we should be higher in this league, but for whatever reason we haven't got the results. Um, and yeah, Joe, as you mentioned, they've been pretty solid all season defensively. Um, apparently, the past two games have been a bit shaky, um, but that was due to the loss of Jordan Willis, who supposedly is back for this game, um, which is, of course, perfect timing oh, for excellent. us. Yeah, perfect timing. Um, but no, Paddy might be a bit rusty. Obviously, he's missed a few games, uh, so that makes sense. Um, you mentioned Tom Flanagan. I believe he's on international duty. Um, not 100% on that. Um, it's just what I heard from uh, Graham himself. So maybe you might see a bit of Dion Sanders at the back for um, Sunderland, which, to be honest, I don't know too much about. Uh, apparently, he's a youngster on loan. And, um, yeah, and... Um, Graham was talked about Grant Ledbetter, who is his player of the season so far. Apparently, he's a, he's a real nice complement to that spine of the team. And, um, you know, with Burge in goal, um, Willis is back now, of course, Ledbetter and then White up top. You know, very similar to us. They've got that nice sort of central, uh, I suppose, force and that they can build off around the team. And, um, yeah, that was pretty much what I gathered from Sunderland. Um, Ross, I know you wanted to mention some other key players that you felt might have impact on Saturday's game, so feel free to go through them. Yeah, I, I noticed that they've got um, Bailey Wright at centre-half, assigned him from Bristol City in the summer. Um, he started in every single uh, League One game this season, and um, it seems like, um, as Liam says, he's part of that spine of the Sunderland squad. But also, going forward... Um, Joe, Joe mentioned in Chris Maguire, he's got three goals and two assists in nine appearances this season. And um, he's been involved in 35% of Sunderland's um, goals this season also. So it'll be interesting to see how um, our wide players, if Keo, uh, not Keo, um, Sorinola or Cargill play out on that wing-back role, or possibly Williams, um, how they deal with the threat of the deliveries. But um, I feel like this Sunderland team still got that pedigree of a championship side in Ledbetter. And 
I just feel like that having that sort of player just to organise a team, control it, just gives you that um, advantage over someone like us. Because of, let's be brutally honest here, how many of our uh, players we get in this Sunderland side? Probably, what, one, two, if that. And that's me being generous here. So um, Agreed. it's gonna be a hard game. It's gonna be a hard game on Saturday, but uh, I think um, we're against it. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair assumption. Um, I'll definitely say that uh, in most senses. Um, a player that I've because you didn't touch on him, Ross. A player that I feel like have a big impact on this game is Lyndon Gooch. Um, he's had a pretty decent start to the season, and I was speaking about him on the pod on their podcast, the What the Flack podcast, about how. He's not too, he's not one dimensional. He's quite a two dimensional player in terms of how he can operate centrally and on the wing, and um, he's kind of like what Ben Rees was in his prime for us in terms of you know being quite influential in terms of getting the team at the field and drifting into little pockets that perhaps most players can't. Um, and a combination of him and someone like 09, who's operating as a wing back, they can pick out some pretty killer passes and if we're going to operate quite high like we'd like to do and try and dominate possession, we could be picked apart in one or two passes if we're not careful. Um, so I feel structural, structurally the defence is going to need to be on point on Saturday and I think Keo has to get back on the pitch on Saturday. We can't have him coaching again. Um, I don't care who's who's at home isolating. He has to be in that central <laughs> defence and you know marshalling it because if he's not, then we're, we're up against it for sure. Um, Jonathan, uh, have you got anything to add on um, what us three gents had to say? Uh, well, as I as I've stated on Twitter, it's it's sort of a, a nervous November, as I call it, with um, three of the next four games against I think half of the current top six in uh, Sunderland, Hull, and Charlton, and I just feel that maybe maybe we ought to change. I know Russell Martin probably won't want to, but I feel like. Maybe we could concede some possession, God forbid, um, to maybe give ourselves a chance in the game. Um, as as Ross has said, there is a lot of championship pedigree in that squad, and I know I know a lot of Sunderland fans feel it's their right to be in the championship, probably like most of the big teams in League One. Um, but um, as you say, Grant Grant Ledbitter is very underrated, I, I believe. Um, I think Charlie White has finally found a bit of form after struggling to either get into the side or um, in injury. They've got Danny Graham as a backup who's still capable at this level of uh, providing goal. Obviously, as you mentioned, Liam, Lyndon Gooch, who uh, broke our hearts at Stadium MK um, last season with that uh, cracker at the end as well. Um, and I, I just feel that this is probably going to be the first time that maybe we're gonna we're possibly gonna have a, a team that is that isn't afraid of like uh how can I explain it isn't afraid of uh keeping possession themselves and maybe saying to us right then you've always had the possession now now let's see how you deal with it when, we're, when we've got possession and I just feel that uh Say so this is this is a massive test this season. Probably our biggest, definitely our biggest test of the season so, so far. Yeah, I'd say so. And I think the you know, Ipswich, you could say, was perhaps the other one. But I feel with Sunderland, they're a lot more structurally 
you know, sound than an Ipswich team is. And uh, especially if they can operate the same 3 5 2 as us, uh, which they have been doing the past few games, um, it's going to be interesting to see how we break that down, especially as you know, they are fairly similar in ways that have maybe got more results and perhaps a better quality of player. Um, I know they're very, they're very on the brink of well, the majority of their fan base is Parkinson out in terms of um, this new style of football. And obviously, the loss against Mansfield at the weekend was a quite a low for them. Um, so they're on the brink of if we, I think, if they don't get a win on Saturday, it's going to properly kick off there. So it'll be nice to upset them a little bit more and get three points if we do. <laughs> Um, gents, let's get on to our predicted starting 11s. Um, so, we yeah, missed this for Eastleigh just because of, you know, it would have been pretty silly for us to uh, pick a, a starting 11 against again, a cup game, which we have no clue who's going to play. Um, but, you know, for the league games, it makes a lot more sense. So, typically here, we just go through position by position, um, give our 11s, and then discussing differences and essentially try and come up with a consensus. So, I'll kick us off. Um, so, I've got, if Fisher returning back and go after a two-gay Two, two gay, two game hiatus, um, and then my back five is a uh, Soranola at right wing back, and then O'Hora, a Keo, a Lewington, and Cargill at left wing back, and then I've gone midfield three of Fraser, Houghton, Thompson, and then up front I've gone uh, Walker and Morris. Uh, Ross, why don't you take us through your starting eleven? Yeah, I've gone for the same back five and Fisher, O'Hora, Keo, Louis, Soranola, and Cargill. But I've went slightly different in the midfield, and I don't know whether it's down to personal favourite. Um, and Russ Martin probably won't pick him, but I'd like to see Gladwin in that midfield. Um, I felt easily he just he proved more than more than um, most that he deserved a place in the squad. I just feel like his physical presence, as I said earlier, will um, play a big role in this game because possibly he could. If Sunderland counter-attackers, he could possibly deal with Charlie White, um, as physical as he is. Um, and then I've gone with Jerome and uh, Walker. Uh, sorry, I've gone with Houghton and Fraser in the midfield also. Um, and I've gone with Jerome and Walker up top. OK. Um, Joe, why don't you give us your predictions start at 11? Um, so, fishing goal, um, I've gone for a similar back five to you guys. However, the only difference is I haven't gone for Cargill. I've gone straight in for it with big Ben Gladwin at left wing back. Um, I've, um, I've then got Dave Kasumu holding with Thompson and Fraser both in. And then up front, I've got Jerome and Morris. I feel with Morris, I feel like if if this game does turn into a game where Sunderland are trying to assert themselves. I feel like Morris will be quite useful and especially defending set pieces. I just feel just having someone with a little bit more nous, uh, I think would be sensible. Okay, interesting. Um, and finally, Jonathan, why don't you give us your pick to start on 11? Well, I've gone for the same goalkeeper. I've gone for this, um, I've gone for a back three of O'Hora, Keogh, and Lewington. And then I've gone a bit left field and, uh, you might want to pass the straight jacket over, Liam. I've gone for George Williams at left wing back, and I've gone for Sorinola at right wing back, simply okay. because of the threat of 09 and possibly possibly Maguire. I feel we just need someone with a bit of experience to to cover because Maguire can be quite cute and clever with like getting fouls and winding 
winding players up. Um, he did oh, it a lot yeah. when he... He's a nightmare. Um, I know a lot of the Oxford fans were liked his antics um, when he did it. I think he may have actually, actually done it live on Sky once for them. Um, I've then gone for a midfield three of Houghton, Fraser and Thompson, simply because, again, experience Houghton in, in that... In that um, Defensive midfield position, rather than Kasuma, who can still who still likes to pick up his yellow card every time that he plays. I just feel that it needs a, a calm head in this sort of game. And then I've gone with uh, Morris and Jerome up top. I just as I say, just feel just get that partnership going and uh, see see how it goes from there. Okay, yeah, interesting. So we're we're actually split on um, Walker and Morris. I'm just interested. With Morris is obviously he, I think I believe he's going to play the full ninety against um, Southampton. The games still going on as we speak, um, but I don't believe he's come off yet. Um, so I suppose the main question is: Do you reckon he'll be fair enough to play or start against Sunderland? Uh, Joe, do you have any thoughts, or do you think oh, he'll so, be okay? Sorry, I thought that was, no, that's all right. <laughs> that was Jonathan. Um, well, yeah. I mean, there's not been much happening in this game, so. I think he'd oh, yeah. probably play another 90 minutes if he wanted. That's an understatement. He also play <laughs> the FA Cup tie at the weekend. Though. He did, yeah, that's a fair, very good point. What's that, did... Gross? He did play the um, whole game against Eastley at the weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he yeah, hasn't had a break true. in the past three games, if I remember, right? I mean, then again, we did, yeah, that's true. We did say it's about Harvey, didn't we? He never actually got rest in the end, did he? So maybe we'll just chat a load of rubbish, who knows? <laughs> but yeah, um, I suppose I'm glad that we all, well, most of us agreed about Thompson and Fraser in the field. I do think we need to see that. I think we just need to you know, see him go for it in a sense. And the, uh, this conservative football, it's nice and all keeping clean sheets, but the three points are what push you at the table at the end of the day. Um, and then but I think Liam as well. Just, just quickly, I think yeah. we, we say about this conservative football, but I think some of our best performances this season have been against the better teams, if you want. So Lincoln, Ipswich, Portsmouth, all in the top six. And all of them, I'd say, you know, I'd say probably set, if we got, we should have beat Portsmouth, we should have beat Ipswich. And I reckon a draw against Lincoln would have been fair because that they never should have had a penalty. So that's seven points that we should have after playing you know, three of the best teams in the league who I think will be up there at the end of the season. And last season, we, you know, we took the game to Rotherham. We took the game to uh, to Oxford. We beat Oxford at home. We beat Portsmouth at home. So I feel like these bigger games where teams actually come, to, come at us. And I, I don't think Sunderland will just be happy to sit back because I think that it's almost like almost politically Phil Parkinson, he can't sit back if that makes sense because if he does you know if if Sunderland if he's sitting back then 40,000 Sunderland fans are watching on I follow thinking why on earth are we sitting back and letting like you know 2019th placed MK Dons come at us so I think I think that I think that there will be space hopefully anyway yeah 100% true um you know they're already calling for they're already calling for Parkinson's head so you're right if they don't win on Saturday they're going to be absolutely fuming um, so yeah, that's definitely an element. I think the well. manner of it as well, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's... I don't think they'll be happy to sit back and nick a one 0 So yeah, okay. Well, speaking of uh, predicting results, let's get into our own predictions, gents. 
Um, Jonathan, why don't you give us your prediction how you think uh, Saturday at Sunderland is going to go? Well, just just backing up what what Joe said, I mean, mean, looking at Sunderland's results this season, they haven't really battered a team as such. You haven't sort of done what Lincoln, Lincoln's done, Peterborough's done. So maybe, as Joe said, maybe this sort of game is the one the fans expect them to sort of romp home with a with a three nil sort of home win. I'm actually well, I'm actually being fairly positive with a with a one all draw. I think if we can get anything from this game, as negative as a draw sounds, if we can if we can score first, I, I think we stand the chance of at least getting a minimum of a draw because if if we can surprise them and and make them come out, then then as we say, that'll open up the space and I, I just feel that we, we could sneak something if we play our cards right. We could sneak something, so I'm just going to say a one-all draw. Yeah, I like it. Um, Ross, why don't you give us your prediction for Saturday? Well, I'm going Mr. Negative here. But, oh, there um, we go. Oh, God. If, if history repeats itself, um, we haven't won against Sunderland. Um, and it, I, I think going to stay on the line, I, I think I mentioned this when going to Pratton Park, it's still a hard place to go and play play football. And I just feel like Sunderland have got that extra bit of quality um, more than us. Yeah, we will have the possession, but I think um, Sunderland will just about edge it and I'm going with a 1-0 Sunderland victory. Yeah, I was actually going to mention we never beat Sunderland before, so you know, he beat me to it. Um so I'll go next to my prediction. Um, so I said on the um, the What the Flack podcast that I'll go one one, um, and I'm going to stick with that prediction. Um, I feel we are fairly similar in terms of the you know, system, how we how we like to play. Maybe we like more possession than they do, um, but you know it's going to be quite a scrappy game. Um, you know both teams are going to look to nick a goal, and maybe sit back a bit more, and all we can hope is that we get that first goal. And you know because I feel we'd be more be better suited to you know, sitting back and perhaps playing out for a one nil win away from home than they would be. But yeah, I feel I feel that one more draw would be a good result, as Jonathan mentioned, you know, we've never beaten some of them before, as Ross said. And um, you know, I will take a point some of them one hundred percent. finally, Joe, why don't you give us your prediction for Saturday? I think what what Jonathan said and who gets the first goal is crucial. I, I think I couldn't agree more. I think you look at the Portsmouth game, as soon as they went two one up you know, Kenny Jacket went from Kenny Jacket of Portsmouth, one of the best teams in the league. They went from a four back to a five back, and, and were were like, you know, if we try and win this game, we're gonna we we were getting torn apart. We should we're lucky to be ahead. If if we try and go for it, then we're gonna get picked off. And they were quite happy to sit on that lead. And I feel Sunderland will be exactly the same. Should we should we get should they get the first goal? But I feel that if we get the first goal, I, I back us to hold on and get a clean sheet. And also maybe even get another. So I'm going, I'm going out there with my this is my dream scenario of us scoring first. I'm going for a two 0 Don's win. Wow, lovely stuff. Wow, <laughs> it's it's my it's a scenario. It's, it's a scenario I've envisaged. So, but I think <laughs> I, I think a one all is a solid choice. Um, but I, I just think, I feel it, I feel it's so important who gets the first goal. And I just feel if we get that first one, I I, I back us to get another. I'll be right it's the street suddenly that happens, Joe. <laughs> well, apart from uh, Ross, some pretty positive predictions there. Huh? <laughs> <laughs>
Oh yeah, well, um, thank you very much for listening to episode 12 of the MK1 podcast. Um, if you could rate, review and subscribe to the podcast, that would be much appreciated, especially regarding the um, you know, subscribing and the feedback in particular. You know, it gives us, um, you know, good stuff on what we do well and, you know, perhaps some criticism on what we perhaps don't do well and what we can improve. Um, and yeah, we hope you all enjoy the game on Saturday. Um, and now we'll all be watching, that's for sure. And come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.